Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the third episode of the Golden State Holiers podcast. I'm here with Muhi today, who is one of the co-founders of the American Muslim Community Foundation, and I'm just going to be asking him some questions about his faith and his work. So just to start, can you describe the work that you do? Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Nate, for having me on the podcast. It's a real pleasure to be here. Of course. The work that I do, simply put, is putting generosity into action. People want to support in many different ways, whether it's with their time, talent, and treasure. And I help people do that. Cool. Uh, why uh, Why did you choose to study ph- philanthropy in school? Yeah, so it was an opportunity that fell into my lap. Um, I was an undergrad at the University of Michigan, and I was at the Dearborn campus, and there was an internship available called the Development Summer Internship Program. And we got to work in an office setting four days a week. I was in the alumni relations office. I had a mentor who was the director there, and he mentioned that I should apply for the internship. And it was a paid opportunity. So I was like, obviously, we're going to do this. And it worked out. Um, I stayed on for through the summer, a little bit into the fall after and graduated. And really, the internship helped me see how the university in Ann Arbor fundraised for the entire university system from their medical school and research opportunities to the athletics department. They brought in donors to talk about why they support an alumni. Um, So it was just really inspiring to see 500 people in a university office working to raise billions of dollars from everything from marketing to events to donor relationships and major gift officers. And I'd always been somebody who naturally was always organizing things. I was student body campus president I, before that, was also Amnesty International president and was always connecting people. I played rugby on campus, so I was always doing something social and out and about. So building relationships was something that was natural to me. And now to do that in my profession feels really good. Awesome. Yeah, it makes sense. So, um, you wanted to, so the American Muslim Community Foundation is um, an organization that like grants money to nonprofit Muslim organizations. Is that correct? So any organization. So any although okay. our families identify their faith as being Muslim and following Islam, uh, that's the reason why they're giving together through American Muslim Community Foundation. But there's research out there from organizations like the Institute for Social Policy and Understanding, where I used to work as well, uh, that indicate that Muslims are just as likely to give to faith-based causes than they are non-faith-based causes or other faith-based causes. Um, so the one of the main reasons why I started AMCF was because I wanted to showcase the impact that Muslim philanthropy had in the United States. So since we've started, we've been able to give out more than $10 million. Our research 
and data is going to places like Giving USA, which last year in 2022 said that Americans gave $500 billion. It's like $499.33 billion, right? So that's a crazy amount of money annually that Americans are donating. And I want to know how much American Muslims are giving. You know, we're about 1% of the total population. So are we holding our weight and giving uh, 1% of that 500 billion? And I'd like to argue that through our faith guiding principles of sadaqa and zakat, which are encouraging charitable giving in Islam, that we are probably close to that number. Uh, Maybe not all the way up to 5 billion, but I think it's in the billions that American Muslims are contributing annually. Uh, And there's more research that is going into this from the Center on Muslim Philanthropy at Indiana University. We have other thought partners in this space. The main product that AMDF uses are what are called donor advised funds. And we submit our data to the Donor Advised Fund Research Collaborative because that and Giving USA have a section on faith and philanthropy. So we want our figures and data and story to be told there. Okay, that's cool. What can you maybe talk a little bit about one like grant that you saw turned to something really fruitful or like one organization that you're working with that you think is making a significant change in the community? Yeah. So, you know, we work with over 175 families across the country. Uh, We started in the Bay Area. I was living in Fremont and then later San Francisco uh, from 2013 to 2023, earlier this year. Uh, And, you know, many families in the Bay Area have been successful in the tech industry and having companies that are sold and startups that are bought. So there were a few families who uh, wanted to set up a donor advised fund because it made sense for tax purposes. It made sense aligned with their philanthropic mindset and the goals that they wanted to achieve the rest of their life. So one of these families are interested in distributing funds to food banks and to education nonprofits. And we were able to put together a proposal for them and uh, had nonprofit organizations apply so that they could learn about different opportunities. And then they ended up selecting three organizations that they ended up giving funds to. There's another example that I have where one family, uh, their child was born with what's called clubfoot. So they were really interested in helping uh, provide non-invasive surgery and what's called like an Iowa brace that children at birth will wear. And then over the course of a few years, will correct how the posture of their foot is so that they can walk regularly. So in developing countries, this can become a big issue where they may be neglected, they may be left aside to fend for themselves as an orphan on the street. So the Iowa brace has 
made significant changes in the lives of people all around the world. And we were able to donate 3,000 Iowa braces to a rural hospital in Pakistan. Um, so awesome. uh, something that was really cool, has long-lasting impact. Just one more story as well. Uh, we operate what are called giving circles, where individuals will come together and give to a common cause, and they'll vote democratically on how they want to distribute the funds. So we've done several giving circles through the years. One that I'll mention here is specific to the Bay Area. And uh, these families are giving of their zakat, again, which is a principle that Muslims follow, similar to tithing in Christianity, where people are expected to give of their wealth annually. And these families, there were about 20 participating, each give $5,000. So that immediately becomes $100,000 to distribute to a charity. And we did our research, we nominated organizations, they presented to the group. And after all of that, the families then decided to distribute uh, 50K to one organization, 30K to a second organization, and 20K to a third organization, all in the Bay Area doing fantastic work. Uh, one was helping Stanford's Children's Hospital um, and uh, Lucille Packard with surgeries and families who couldn't afford uh, pay. Another program was providing food uh, security uh, and uh, support services to people in Oakland. And a third organization uh, helping people who are actually imprisoned and wanting to learn more about Islam. So lots of different examples of giving circles and people utilizing donor advised funds and kind of implementing a grant system to be more strategic about their philanthropy and then being able to pick really great causes that are doing fantastic work. I see. So so you're working with family or groups that want to, you know, donate money to kind of advise them on where to put it out. Um, but and, and yeah. are you also like receiving donations and then distributing it yourself as well? No? Yeah. So an example of that, I'm sure you heard of the wildfires that were in Maui in August. Yeah. Yeah. So we activated a crowdfunding campaign call on a site called Launch Good, and we ran a campaign called Muslims for Maui, and we raised over fifty five thousand dollars. And now we're in the process one month later to distribute those funds to organizations in Maui, uh, doing great work with long-term recovery efforts. Awesome. Okay. That makes that's That's really cool. I'm actually, uh, I'm mom's from Hawaii. So yeah. Oh, wow. Hawaii, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm sure you guys were following that story closely then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I read on like one of your Facebook excerpts that said, by presenting a professional garment and sharing our data for research on giving trends and partnering with philanthropic groups, we deepen the narrative of what it means to be an American Muslim. And so I just wanted to ask, like, what kind of changes or uh, like uh, to, to the you know Muslim narrative are you trying to you know employ, and what are you trying to uh, kind of deepen from from that? Yeah. So you know. 
I was born in 1985. I was in high school during 9-11. Um, there was a deep narrative created around who Muslims are at that time. A lot of Islamophobia, a lot of xenophobia, and a lot of work in the early 2000s and since has been on uh, coalition building, interfaith work. Uh, the country was divided, right? And now, 22 years later, uh, you know, some things are better. Uh, there's definitely a lot of things that we still need to improve on. Uh, and I think one part of that is if you're not telling your own story, somebody else will. So my hope is that through the work that AMCF is doing, we can tell our story a little bit better. Uh, we can showcase the impact that we're having. We can highlight the uh, work that's being done by fantastic nonprofit organizations. Uh, and part of that as well, we have a giving circle called Interfaith Giving Circle Confronting Hate to exactly be doing this type of work. And, you know, it's similar across the board. Every faith group, every ethnicity, every race has these challenges to better inform people about who they are. You know, the last few years, there's been a lot on the social justice lens, uh, Black Lives Matter, for stopping Asian hate, for all of these things coming to the surface. And it almost seems like every few years, there's just some other uh, thing that we need to work against in our country. Uh, but on the bright side, there are so many passionate people, kind people uh, that care. Uh, and it's just showcasing and highlighting that. Uh, definitely think there are more good people than evil people. Uh, maybe there's not enough people who are acting on it. And we need to beat that drum a little louder. And we need help to showcase efforts that are being done. So that's why I really appreciate this opportunity to be on this podcast, because whoever listens to this will hopefully have a more better and more informed opinion on Muslims, on the work that American Muslims are doing. And that's why that research through Institute for Social Policy and Understanding is so critical, because they actually have data to showcase who American Muslims are, uh, population, professions, impact, social demographics, and so much more to tell our story more effectively. Right. Got it. Okay. Uh, and would you say that, uh, look, actually, first I just want to say, like, I think that's a really, really, uh, like, yeah, hopeful way of putting, like, your work. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm hoping too that a lot of people can listen to this and kind of understand more. Uh, and just to kind of follow up, is there, uh, it's my understanding that you've been doing this for quite a, a bit now. And I want to ask like, if there's maybe uh, any moment or just kind of change that you've seen in how people are viewing American Muslims through your work. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, through AMCF, we started in 2016, we became like more publicly facing in 2017. So I'd say about six years we've been doing this work now. Uh, and it's been challenging. Sometimes it feels like uh, you're on an island all on your own. And other times it feels like, you know, people know about the work and 
and support it and are doing uh, what they can. And, uh, you know, we have this event coming up in November uh, called the Muslim Philanthropy Awards. And it's a great opportunity for communities all across the country to highlight uh, people in the Muslim community who are doing great work. So it's a celebration. It's a nomination. We get to learn about youth and philanthropy ages 5 to 12, what they're doing uh, in in their communities. There's a Lifetime Achievement Award. So you get to hear people who've been doing this for 20 plus years. There's everything in between from volunteer fundraiser to staff member to board member to corporation to nonprofit. So it's just a way to highlight the good work in the community. Uh, I love seeing all the nominations come in and just be inspired by the great work that's being done. And I think at the same time, you know, there needs to be more people in this field. And we're one of a few organizations that are in this space. Uh, There's an organization called the El Hibri Foundation um, based out of Washington, D.C., There's another called Pillars Fund in Chicago, and they work nationally and support a lot of fantastic American-led nonprofit institutions that are run by Muslims or Muslim-focused, doing fantastic work. Uh, But I'd love to see 10 organizations out there, 20 organizations out there that are focused on professional development of uh, Muslim nonprofit leaders, of uh, helping institutions grow. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for collaboration, for uh, building a niche, for continuing this work and supporting it. Uh, I'm hopeful for kind of uh, where things are going. Uh, Yeah, over the last six years, uh, I've seen a lot of interest. I've seen a lot of people focusing more on Muslim philanthropy, um, a lot of mainstream philanthropic organizations opening up doors and connections to community foundations, like even Silicon Valley Community Foundation and California Community Foundation and Marin County Foundation and East Bay Community Foundation. Uh, All of these places, San Francisco Foundation, are supporting Muslim organizations, but maybe not to the tune of that 1%, right? If Muslims are 1% of the population, are Muslim-led organizations receiving 1% of general philanthropy? Uh, we're just not there yet. So there is room for improvement. And I'd love to see community foundations and family foundations across the country uh, doing what they can to support these initiatives as well. Okay. Uh, how, how close would you say you are to that 1%? And maybe like, have you, um, where, where was that in 2016? Just so people can kind of get a sense of like kind of the change you're making? Yeah, so I have some data here from the Giving USA uh, report. Uh, And in 2022, out of that $499.33 billion that was given in charity, uh, looks like $50 billion was given to grant-making foundations. Uh, Now, I don't have the figures on how much was given by foundations. It looks like about $105 billion. So almost uh, 20% of charitable giving came from foundations. 
right? So from foundations to nonprofit organizations. Surprisingly, uh, about 73% comes from individuals like you and I, our parents, our families. Uh, that makes up 73% of charitable giving. So you're looking at almost uh, $365 billion that individuals give annually. And then corporations give about $30 billion. So uh, foundations are giving $105 billion. I don't think $1 billion is coming to Muslim-led institutions. Right. And so Muslims being 1% of the population, uh, arguably, uh, you know, I think that there needs to be more done uh, from foundations across the country to be learning about Muslim-led institutions. Uh, and there is a concerted effort uh, to do that. And we are part of that uh, and just building more connections because it's about educating program officers at foundations. Uh, it's about connecting with the leadership at foundations. Uh, and it's going to take some time, but this is one of the main objectives that we're trying to accomplish as well. Awesome. Well, can you talk about a bit how your religious beliefs and your faith intersect with your work? And is, I think you kind of touched on, on this earlier, but like, is there an aspect of your work that is fulfilling in like a, you know, spiritual sense, uh, just, you know, in sense that, you know, that, Aligns with you know your your beliefs your um yeah as, as a Muslim yeah you know there's uh, a lot of times in uh, the Quran that giving charity is mentioned uh, terms I use sadaqah zakat and there's also a lot of narrations in the life of the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him called the Sunnah and Hadith uh, yeah. there are examples of giving charity. So it is highly uh, encouraged in the faith. And I had mentioned um, ISPU as collecting data, and they've actually done American Muslim philanthropic study to kind of get a sense of the landscape of why Muslims are giving. Uh, And the biggest reason why Muslims give is because they feel that those with more should help those with less. So the sense of uh, altruism and helping. Uh, Then the second most, which lines very well with the faith, is that it's a religious duty and obligation because God commands us and the example of the prophet shows us and uh, do that. And the third largest is because giving makes people feel good. You can imagine if you see you're helping somebody, you have that intrinsic value, uh, you're satisfaction and happiness increase because of it as well. Uh, And there's a lot of other reasons why Muslims give. Uh, This is also in line with uh, general public of why uh, Americans are supporting uh, and what motivates donors, right? It's alignment to a mission. It's the desire to make a difference, uh, personal satisfaction. It's family and upbringing. Uh, personal stories. So these are a lot of the reasons. Like people maybe think, oh, it's because they're going to get a tax write-off. That's maybe one part of it, but there's so much more dynamic to giving uh, Mm -hmm. is about inspiration and impact and making a difference. Uh, So all of that 
is revolved around uh, my faith, my identity, because there's such a large emphasis on that in the faith. So I like to think that I am living out what my faith calls me to do in my everyday work because I'm helping families distribute their wealth. And some families have a few hundred bucks and a few thousand dollars to give. And other families are blessed with more. And they're giving tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars through American Muslim Community Foundation. So we work with everybody on wherever they are. Uh, and we don't have any minimums or thresholds that we have to open an account with or anything much like a Delity or Schwab or Vanguard may have. Uh, really trying to democratize philanthropy and the impact that it can make by making it accessible and these best practices and tools available to the general public. So we see a big, a big value of ours being, uh, you know, take what is available through uh, tax law and make it available to the general public for families to take advantage of so that they can be more strategic around their charitable giving. Right. Yeah. And I, like, I think even for me, like when I think about like, you know, donations and like, yeah, charitable giving, it's often can just be about like, you know, numbers moving around. Um, I think hearing like you talk about like how your religion plays a role in it, like, it, you know, changes the whole perspective. It's, it's really cool. Um, oh, I guess moving on, like there's kind of like this trend, especially in like the Bay Area where like in this kind of like, you know, world of postmodern thinking where people are like questioning like, you know, all these institutions and like organized religion, especially, especially in like the younger generations. Um, and it's really like amplified here in like where I live in like Silicon Valley. Um, but so do you think like this kind of trend will have like an effect on your organization? And like, do you, do you feel um, like kind of just, do you ever feel like it's it's kind of hard to kind of stay with your your faith in this world where it seems like more and more people are uh, like losing faith um, in certain areas of the country, especially? Yeah, this is a great question. Uh, and, you know, I was born into a Muslim family, raised as a Muslim. My parents were uh, founders of their mosque in the in their community in Michigan uh, and well respected in the community. So growing up, uh, high school was involved in the youth group, was a president of the youth group. Each of my siblings were actively involved. Uh, my dad, he's at the mosque five times a day for each prayer. Like, it's super impressive to see how devout he is and how his faith guides him. Uh, and everybody has their own spiritual journey. I certainly have had mine. Uh, the faith asks us to fast in Ramadan, uh, asks us to pray five times a day. It asks us to believe in God and the messengers uh, been mentioned in the Quran, which there are 25 of. Jesus is one of them. Peace and blessings upon him. Uh, and my faith has always been a big part of my identity. Uh, and 
in the last several months, I have become more spiritual, more religious, more trying to be adamant about not missing my prayers. Uh, as growing up my entire life, it was like, okay, I'll do them later or I'll skip them or I was too busy. I didn't prioritize it. Uh, so I've always had this journey with my faith, but I've always been somebody who has held God close in my heart, always on my mind. Uh, and a big part of that is because of my family upbringing. Uh, I often think like if I wasn't born into this family uh, and say I was still born in the United States, like would I find Islam later in my life? I don't know. Uh, I'm truly blessed to have been born in the United States, born into this family, born into this religion. And I have researched other faiths and I have uh, understanding of spiritualism, definitely. Uh, but I'm very confident in my faith uh, and I'm trying to actively be stronger in my faith on a day-to-day -day basis as well. And I feel like it guides my actions. Uh, I've made a lot of bad decisions in my life uh, and for like personal reasons or for other uh, trying to be more grounded in having my faith instruct my future decisions. Um, that's more of a personal choice and a spiritual choice that I'm trying to make and just being a better person overall. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are atheists, who are of other faiths, and morally, they're great people, right? They, they, sense, they derive their sense of morals and actions and doing what's right based on uh, they are as individuals and not necessarily by their faith. And that's fantastic. Uh, I would have a lot of conversations with my friends around like, you know, you shouldn't do something just because your faith tells you to. You should do things because it's the right thing to do. And I applaud that opinion and I uh, back that opinion. Uh, and there's a lot more to be said there. Uh, I think that, you know, to get to a destination, there are multiple paths, multiple routes. Uh, and if we're all getting to the same place, as long as we're great people, nice people, kind people, uh, we will all end up there as well. Uh, I, I, like, I have to say, like, it, it must, um, yeah, like, Muslims in America have, it's, um, you know, I can, so I can kind of assume that, like, you know, for you, it's kind of felt like, you know, you've always been kind of, um, since 9-11, like, part of, like, you know, a minority in terms of kind of, like, you know, the, the hate that, you know, Muslims have received over the years, unfortunately. Um, and I I just, like, I, I guess I want to ask, like, do you feel like that, um, like, even, even now, like, um, you know, you know, the numbers and, you know, really good um organized religion you know dropping like you still do you still feel like um i, I mean like obviously it's been a, a while since 9 11 but do you feel like you know there's been kind of um positive you know change in that um years oh this is kind of a mixed bag and i'm gonna go at it from the angle of 
like government surveillance, right? So like yeah. ever since the civil rights movement, even prior to that, there's been ways in which the FBI, CIA government overall has infiltrated communities and, you know, whether it is um, conspiracy or fact uh, is up to everybody to decide for themselves. But like, you know, assassinations of black leaders through the civil rights movement forward, uh, people who were dynamic in the ability to change communities around them, uh, Black Panther movement to the civil rights movement and in the Muslim community, uh, just infiltration of FBI informants into Muslim communities, uh, so on and so forth. So I think there's a lot that needs to be done and recognized. Like even the federal government was giving out grants in the skies of like surveillance. Uh, this was big after 9-11 where, you know, they were giving support to mosques and Muslim-led organizations, but it was like, we're doing this to counter terrorism. Uh, and that was very off-putting to a lot of people. Uh, and there were a lot of Muslim organizations that accepted the money and they were like, well, we could use the funds. Uh, kind of is interesting because it goes against this narrative of, compliance like you know we don't need to surveil our own people uh not the issue uh, and it's part of that narrative building as well so i think there's a lot that can be done in terms of uh your point around faith in the country faith in the community uh people can uh get more on that and in this conversation around agnosticism, uh, atheism, what can be done in circles of interfaith to include those voices? Because uh, you could also argue that agnosticism or atheism is a faith in and of itself, even though they're not believing in a God uh, in atheism, what are they believing in? And that belief system could be identified as their faith. Right. Uh, in the interfaith world, we like to say our friends of faith or of other beliefs. Right. Uh, so I would be open to including those voices, uh, conversation uh, on what we can do. Uh, because rather than building walls, we need to be building longer tables. We need to be inviting more people to the conversation. Uh, I think that's a big part of it is being uh, bread with others. And just having conversations around learning who they are, uh, what they believe, why they do what they do, uh, to promote understanding. Cool, and that—that's kind of what you know. This this is all about as well. This podcast. So, yeah, I totally agree. Um, final two questions. Uh, what would you say is like your? This is kind of a broad question, but like, what is your dream for like Muslims in America? Um, and what are you kind of, yeah, I guess, what are you hoping to see your, your work, you know, go towards, you know, in the end? Uh, this is a great question. Uh, you know, I think it's definitely been in roads made. So now, like, 
I'll go back to the federal government. Like there's definitely more Muslims being appointed into the White House, into uh, opportunities. And of course, that is cyclical with who is in power in Congress and the White House. Uh, definitely some periods where we can take two steps forward. And then there are other periods where we're taking steps backwards, right? And I think that my dream for Muslims in America is to be in a country that provides the resources for all Americans, right? So this is like my dream beyond Muslims in the U.S. Like I want to be in a country that spends more resources on its own people than it gives in tax dollars in foreign countries. I want to be in a country where the education, the healthcare, the social services and needs and basic needs of all are being met. Uh, I have so many families and individuals that are in debt because of education, because of healthcare. There's so many systems that are broken in the United States. And we're a first world country where we are struggling in education. We are struggling in providing nutritional value meals to children across this country. And when I think of that, the future, it, I want it to be better. But I've also seen the challenges over the last 30 years of living here. Uh, and I don't know. I think the country needs a wake-up call. I think there needs to be a lot to be done to shake up and provide more resources to families in need. Uh, and there is a huge wealth gap in this country. Uh, and my hope and dream is that some of that gets better uh, very soon for people because uh, we could be a lot better in a lot of different ways. Uh, I think that there's a big opportunity there, uh, but something needs to happen. I don't know what the solution oh, is, yeah. but I'd love to be part of that conversation. And that's why, you know, I think philanthropy calls to me so much because the government only does so much and the government can do more in terms of its resources. Uh, since it doesn't, philanthropy is where it fills the gap. Uh, people decide they want to be giving to social services, to education, to other institutions uh, to make it a better experience and future for people. Uh, that's why I believe in philanthropy and the potential that it has. Uh, and we can't wait for the government to build better policies and build uh, infrastructure to get support to those who need it. And that's why the nonprofit sector is so critical. Uh, there are a lot of, okay, and that's needed. Uh, I think that by supporting nonprofits, we can get to that ideal future a lot faster. Taking action is, is so important now, yeah. 
Um, and just for people watching and um, yeah, just kind of as a final question, um, what can like non-Muslims do to support Muslim organizations and kind of better, you know, push this uh, dream and like hope for the future that you have? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, learn about Muslims, learn about American Muslims, uh, low American Muslim Community Foundation on socials, see what we're up to, uh, have the capacity, become a donor to support our work, uh, volunteer with us. There's so many great organizations that you can learn about through our network as well. Uh, we're always highlighting different nonprofits in the community on our social media and we would love to uh, have your support. Uh, if it's just signing up in our email list, uh, those things go a long way. Uh, and try to meet a Muslim in your local neighborhood, in your community, uh, and get to know them. Uh, all things that uh, of other faith or no faith uh, or beliefs can do to support their fellow Muslims. That's... Um... That's that's it for the interview. Um, I just wanted to say thanks again for taking an hour out of your day to do this. I really appreciate it. Well, I think that'll kind of be at the end of the podcast.